0: Good, uh, Isaiah chapter 10 this morning, so we're, we're making our way through this book, uh, verse by verse, chapter by chapter. Uh, the next chapter, this chapter, uh, Isaiah uh, is dealing, no surprises here, further warnings to Judah uh, regarding their sin uh, and the consequences of their sin. Uh, but also, Gary, the hope for Judah and the people. And that's just the constant theme uh, throughout this book, right? It's a warning of sin and the warning of consequences, but the hope, uh, the hope for those who, especially those who would repent uh, and turn to Christ. Um, as we make our way through the chapter this morning, I want you to keep your eye out for uh I believe, nine different names and titles for Christ. Now, this is a theme that began last night and will continue throughout the day today, I think. But the Lord just has Brother Bill and I kind of focused on uh, the names and and, and titles of the Lord and the theological significance, some of the practical implications of of his names and titles as well. Uh, Lord willing, we're gonna come back and and consider uh, some of these titles and names a little bit more in the evening service, um unless God moves us to some other thing. But uh that's that's the uh tentative plan for the evening. So uh let's jump in here. Isaiah chapter 10 beginning uh in verse one. First we see further warnings. Um and and Gary stop just for a moment and then I'll then I'll stop and, and we'll I'll stop talking and we'll let the Lord say some things through his words. Um how gracious it is for the Lord to warn his people. How gracious it is for the Lord to warn his people. I had a conversation with someone this week about uh, their, their struggle to uh, accept, to place their faith in a God uh, who has meted out so much judgment uh, against his own people uh, and offered in love to that person. Hey, God knows God knows what it takes to to draw a people to him. God knows what it takes to cause a people to repent. The most unloving thing that he could do is never warn them uh, and never correct them, never judge them, never correct them, never chasten them if they refuse the warning. That would be the most unloving thing. So nowhere here do we see an unloving God, right? We see a God who is holy and a God who has a great wrath at sin Uh, and a God who loves his people enough to warn them uh, and then to carry out that which he warned uh, in love because he wanted to see them corrected. Did these people ultimately get right with the Lord? Largely. They they largely did, but but it took God being faithful to his warning, right, Brother Gary? Well, here's here's more further warnings. Isaiah 10 and verse 1. Woe uh, unto them. So God's word given to the people through the prophet Isaiah Uh, Woe unto them that decree unrighteous decrees uh, and that right grievousness which they have uh, prescribed. And so we've seen the Lord warning Brother Ray and and addressing sort of different strata, different layers of the society uh, throughout Judah and then the the north as well. Uh, This this, uh, specific verse would seem to address uh, leaders. Uh, unjust, tyrannical leaders who seek to take advantage of the most vulnerable people in the land. Woe, God God pronounces woe. Uh, This is a warning of judgment. Woe unto them that decree unrighteous decrees uh, and that right grievousness which they, not the Lord, but they have prescribed. Uh, what's their agenda? Well, verse 2, the Lord reveals their agenda, uh, the agenda of these unjust leaders uh, to turn aside the needy, uh, vulnerable people from judgment. Well, not judgment like the Lord is preparing to, to pour out, but justice would be the idea here. Uh, their agenda, the the agenda of these unjust leaders is to turn aside the needy from judgment or justice, verse 2, and to take away the right, that which is right, uh, from who? What's the the next two words there? Sorry, what is it? The poor, uh, vulnerable people, the poor of my people, uh, the widows, uh, more vulnerable people, uh, may be their prey uh, in that they may rob the fatherless. So uh, this this uh, pronouncement of, of, of woe, uh, this warning now, especially to unjust, uh, sinful leadership uh, in the south in Judah. Verse 10, sorry, verse 3, chapter 10, verse 3, uh, the Lord asked them through Isaiah, and what will ye uh, do uh, in the day of visitation? Visitation here uh, in context has the idea of judgment. Uh, it has the sense of judgment in this context. What will you do? What will you all do, right? Ye, you all, what will you all do? All of you unjust leaders, all of you unjust rulers, uh, those of you that are seeking to take advantage of the most vulnerable of my people, what will you do uh, in the day of visitation, in the day of the judgment of the Lord, in the desolation which shall uh, come from afar? From far, the Lord asked through Isaiah, to whom will ye flee? For help, and where will ye leave uh, your glory? What are you going to do uh, when the Lord begins to pour judgment into your land, in, into your people, in, in into your life? Uh, what are you going to do? You've been so far away from the Lord, living for yourselves, even to the point of taking advantage of the most vulnerable people. Uh, what do you, What is it exactly that you plan on doing when God uh, begins to judge you? Gary, it'll be Uh, just judgment. It'll be righteous judgment. Uh, It'll be loving. It'll be judgment that will be consistent with all of God's attributes, but it will not be easy. Who are you going to turn to? Well, these are good questions. Look at verse four. He says, without me, uh, they shall bow down under the prisoners and they shall fall under uh, the slain. Now that certainly uh, begins to picture some brother, difficult judgment, chastening, uh, falling down under prisoners, be, becoming lower than prisoners, uh, and they shall fall under the slain. Uh, th- these who have occupied a position of, of power and authority relative to these vulnerable people, uh, they're going to be put down lower than prisoners uh, and, and lower than those who have been slain. There's there's some poetic language there, Gary, but it's pretty clear what what the Lord is, is picturing here. The, these who have been who have occupied positions of authority, but have elevated themselves uh, e- even above that under the Lord, they they will be put down. Look at the beginning of verse four. Uh, Isaiah writes, "Without me, they shall be bowed. They shall bow down under the prisoners. Without me." Uh, who's the me? Who's the me? Don't you think? I understand Isaiah is the one giving these words, right? But they're God's words that have been given to Isaiah uh, through the inspiration process to be given uh, forth to the people. He, he's proclaiming them, but but God's God God is the speaker here, really. They are His words, uh, and so Isaiah is speaking on behalf of the Lord, uh, without the Lord, without me. Uh, without uh, repenting, uh, turning back to the Lord, without me, you will experience this chastening, this uh, knocking down off of your high horse, um, if you will. Uh, Is the Lord able to do that? He he is. He is able to do that. Uh, Does he do that? Thankfully, he does chasten us. Thankfully, guys, he does correct us at times when we stray away from him, he's not content to just let us go our own way forever. He loves us so much that he will insert himself uh, into our lives uh, in, in order to correct us, to draw us back to him. That's a loving God. Uh, that's a loving Father. We, we thank him. We'll, Lord, we thank him. We thank you. Look at the end of verse 4. This is a, uh, a phrase here, a sentence at the end of verse 4 that I think will sound familiar to you, church. Uh, Isaiah writes, for all this, his anger is not turned away, but his hand is stretched out still. Uh, and so this, this language, recall, is language that we saw three times uh, back in chapter 9, right? Uh, and, and so we saw this sort of four stanza poem, uh, warning poem or, or judgment poem, poem of chastening, Uh, Each stanza ending with this phrase that we see here, uh, the second half of verse 4. So uh, these first four verses really could be considered part of uh, chapter 9, could be considered the end of chapter 9. uh, we're not challenging our Bible. Remember, the chapter and verse divisions, that they're, they're not an inspired thing, right? They've been added by editors for uh, convenience. And we'll not challenge that too much, but just recognize that this phrase here does kind of combine these four verses with uh, that, that passage that we saw uh, in chapter nine. Uh, more importantly, the meaning of the language, Gary, it's, it's very, it, it implies that the Lord is going to be very active, right, in, uh, in carrying out, in meeting out this judgment. For all this, his anger is not turned away. He's a holy God. He has a great wrath at sin. That's why we need a savior. He's a just God. His hand is stretched out still. He is—he is the one who will actively carry out this judgment, this chastening uh, of his people. Now we know he's going to do it various ways. Um, What we see here in this chapter is uh, through the Assyrians, not the Syrians, but the Assyrians uh, here in this chapter, and pretty immediately now. Uh, the Lord will tell them that. Uh, He is the one who's going to do the chastening. He is the actor. He is the judge. Uh, He is the corrector, Uh, but he will use the Assyrians, uh, their king, their army in order to correct his people. We know so often this is exactly how the Lord corrected his people. Look at verse 9. No, verse 5. Verse 5. Gary, my numbers are failing this morning. Pray the pastor can get his numbers straightened out. Uh, William, you pray that for me, please. <laughs> oh, Assyrian, verse 5. The rod of mine anger uh, and the staff in their hand uh, is mine indignation. So that... that uh, phrase, that, that verse is uh, sort of poetic also, Gary, right? It has kind of that same structure that you'd see throughout throughout the Psalms so often. Lord will say something and, and then kind of say it again uh, in in parallel with slightly different language. Oh, Assyrian, uh, the rod of mine anger, a rod being that which you would correct a, a child with, right? The rod uh, and the staff in their hand is, is mine indignation. So uh, the, the Lord would have the people understand he's going to correct them uh, in part through the, the Assyrians. Um, verse 6, uh, the Lord says, I will send him. Him would be, Brother Ray may be the king of Assyria, but probably just refers poetically to the Assyrians uh, in, in their army or armies. The Lord says, I will send him against an hypocritical nation. Uh, and against the people of my wrath. I wonder how much it hurt the Lord, Brother Bill, to write or to say that phrase. The people of my wrath. Uh, they're the people whom he loves, they're his people, uh, but he is holy and he does have a wrath at their sin. Against the people of my wrath will I give him a charge. The Lord is going to employ uh, and sovereignly use the Assyrians to judge his people, to take the spoil and to take the prey, to tread them down like the mire uh, of the streets. So Gary, we understand, Isaiah is clearly warning that the Lord is going to use the Assyrians uh, in, in a military campaign to, to judge his people. I want to come back to this word hypocritical in uh, the first part of verse 6. I will send him against a hypocritical nation. Um, we have a sort of modern conception of the word hypocritical, what it means. Gary, how do we use that word today? You say someone is a hypocrite, what do we mean? They say one thing, do another thing, right? And if you call someone a hypocrite, you'd say it in love, right? You just want to, you want to correct them as opposed to, oh, that rotten hypocrite. Uh, we'd, we'd say it in love with a heart to correct that person, right? Uh, I, so that's that's kind of how we use the word today. Um, and it wouldn't be completely wrong to, to understand it this way, that same way here, but to share with you that the, the Hebrew word underlying, uh, the word hypocritical here, it has the literal idea of being soiled, uh, be, being made dirty, the, it, or it's related to a word, a root word that has that literal idea. Uh, and so, Zach, if these people are soiled, uh, having been made dirty, what do you suppose is being pictured here sort sort of poetically uh, they've been soiled by or made dirty by sin that, that would be the literal idea here. Uh, the word is is it kind of paints that picture uh, something that was clean that was made dirty by something uh, sort of morally here uh, nation that has been made unclean, that has been soiled. Uh, by sin or, or as with sin. That's God's concern, right? Uh, they have taken up great sin. They have soiled themselves uh, in their choice to sin against the Lord, and their sins are great, right? And We've, we've seen uh, some specific sins addressed uh, up to this point, including what's the greatest one, Gary? I, I think we reviewed that last Sunday morning. Um, idolatry, sin of idolatry, uh, probably, there probably isn't a greater sin. Uh, look at verse seven, Howbeit, uh, he meaneth not so, neither doth his heart think so. So I believe in, in verse seven, Isaiah is referring to the Assyrians. Uh, Brother A. Metric, the Assyrians have their own agenda uh, and God has his own agenda. Uh, The Assyrians aren't like lining up to say, Lord, how would you use us? Brother Bill, that's not what they're doing, right? They're not going to the Lord and saying, here we are, Lord, we're we're submitting to you. You use us any way you choose. If you would use us to judge those people over there, that's fine, God. That's not what their heart is at all. Their heart is to just conquer, uh, to kill, to conquer, to to grab whatever they can grab for themselves. Uh, They're greedy, prideful people. Uh, we know that their their goal is to just conquer whomever wherever uh, they could uh, they they don 't mean to be used by the Lord. I think that 's what first part of verse seven means, neither doth his heart think so, but it is his heart, the Assyrian king, probably it is in his heart to destroy and cut off nations, plural nations, not a few, whatever they can grab uh, to themselves. this is this is their desire. Now, Gary the Lord has allowed the Assyrians to, to kind of rise up. Uh, he didn't have to do that. He didn't have to allow them to become strong or even to actively strengthen them. Uh, but he has allowed or perhaps actively built them up for his purposes. That's very interesting, isn't it? Uh, God can use a people for his purposes, whether or not they even realize that, Right. Uh, God God can use a people whether or not they even realize it. Uh, And it's it's just God sovereignly working in history to accomplish that, which he would accomplish uh, any way he chooses. Here he'll use the Assyrians. Uh, Look at their arrogance. They're not a people of God. They're not a people of the Lord. They're a prideful, conquering, arrogant, self-centered people. Verse 8, for uh, he, uh, the king perhaps of Assyria, for he saith, are not my princes altogether kings, are not even my kind of second tier people as powerful uh, as as kings. Uh, and then there's a reference here to some of the places that they have conquered. Uh, is not Colno uh, as Carchemish? Uh, These would be Babylonian places, Babylonian cities uh, that they have conquered. Uh, is not Colno as Carchemish. Isn't this place conquered just like this place? Haven't we conquered this place uh, and this place? Then he says, uh, is not Harmith uh, as Arpad. This be a place in in northern Syria. Remember, don't confuse the Syrians with the Assyrians. Sounds similar, but they're not the same. Uh, This be a place in northern Syria. Is not uh, Samaria as Damascus? The implication here is, hey, uh, just as we've conquered uh, this place and this place um, in uh, Babylon and in Syria, uh, we, we have no trouble, no no problem. They have they have no problem uh, with the idea. The implication, there we go, Gary. The implication is that Jude and Jerusalem, hey, they're next. Uh, they're they're next. Their their heart is to just continue this sort of path of conquering, uh, and the Lord is warning that if. His people don't get right with him. He's going to allow that. Uh, he's going to allow that. There will be consequences for their sin and their refusal to repent. Of course, Brother Bill, we keep coming back to that's the principle that we have to get a hold of today, right? Even today, we understand there there's consequences for sin, practical consequences. Uh, for sin in my life, my relationship with the Lord will be affected by... My, can, I, can I be saved and still experiencing consequences for sin in my life? Absolutely. Practical consequences, my walk with the Lord will be affected uh, by that. We spoke last week, Brother Bill, about um, the, the insight, biblical idea that uh, as the Lord chastens me uh, for my sin, that probably has some practical consequences um, in the lives of people near me as well, right? A husband who's being chastened by the Lord, his wife is going to be affected by that. Uh, His children may be affected by that, almost almost certainly, right? Uh, And so uh, a loving person, a person who loves the Lord, wants to stay right with him, and when we're not right with him, be quick to repent, but uh, a man or uh, a, a woman who, who loves her spouse and her family, a part, of, part of your motivation as well, if you love your family, you, you won't be right with God uh, so that your sin and the consequences of your sin don't negatively affect your family or your church family as well, right? And church family as well. So lots of motivations to stay right with the Lord. Uh, Verse 10 kind of continuing along the same lines that king of Assyria seems to be boasting here, uh, as my hand hath found the kingdoms uh, of the idols. All of these other kingdoms who we've conquered despite their idol worship. Uh, like they saw, they, they suspected there was some power in the worship of idols, uh, whose graven images did excel them of Jerusalem uh, and, and of Samaria. Shall I not as I have done unto Samaria and her idols, so do to Jerusalem uh, and, and her idols. This is probably one of the most horrifying verses in scripture, Brother Bell. Just if you stop and think about what they're saying here. The Assyrians are saying, just as we've conquered other nations that have been idol worshipers. They, they thought there was probably some power uh, that the false gods had, the idols that people are worshiping. But they said, hey, we're more powerful than the idols of, of these other nations that have been worshipped. Uh, we're more powerful than the idols that were worshipped in Israel uh, to the north. There were there was idolatry going on there, uh, and they had already uh, had some success in conquering the north. Uh, Samaria, being a reference to the northern kingdom, and her idols. Her what? Her what? Her idols. Uh, and we can do the same in the south in Judah. We, we can do so. We can so do to Jerusalem. Uh, and her idols. Her what? Her idols. Uh, the people have fallen into great sin, uh, even the sin of idolatry. Uh, Brother Bill, I, th- I think about this, and-, and I just shudder, and you just imagine how the Lord feels, <laughs> how the Lord felt as as these words were, were going forth. Um, uh, Joseph, um, I think about how uh, Even God's people, Joseph, (laughs) I'm looking at your brother, Joseph. Even God's people can stray very far away from God if they're not very careful to stay close to God. And the minute you think you can't is when you're in trouble. The minute you think, oh, I've I've grown up so much in the Lord that I'll just always be close to the Lord, that's a dangerous place. That's a dangerous place because you always have to stand guard against slipping away from the Lord recognize that even these people God's people uh slipped so far away they ended up worshiping idols uh stay close to the Lord and make that your your priority every day every day you get up and draw close to the Lord and don't ever let yourself think I can never slip away from the Lord because we can because we can Gary can we ask that man that's that man. <laughs> and he doesn't, he doesn't mind that I'm sharing that because he wants his own testimony to be one that is a warning of, of this truth, but also uh, one of hope that when you do slip away, you can return. You can repent, you can come back and be restored into a wonderful relationship with the Lord. All these things are true, and we praise God for that. Verse 12, wherefore it shall come to pass that when the Lord hath performed his whole work upon Mount Zion and on Jerusalem, uh, I will punish the fruit of the stout heart of the king of Assyria and of the glory of his what? His high looks, his haughtiness, uh, his pride. Isaiah says, you know, the Lord, he's going to use uh, the, the Assyrians, the king and his armies, to judge you if you don't get right, uh, but also understand that after he does that, he's going to judge the Assyrians for doing that because their heart is not to do this as an agent of the Lord, but just their their heart is to do it for themselves. Uh, and so, the Lord, would be perfectly just in. Uh, afflicting judgment upon them for doing, Gary, what he, in fact, wants them to do. They're not doing it for the Lord. They're, they're doing it from a sinful heart rather than a heart of obedience to the Lord. And so after the Lord allows them to give a, a good hard spank to Judah, because uh, sometimes you need a good hard spank, right? Uh, after he allows them to do that, he's going to judge them for doing it uh, for their own purposes, uh, rather than God's purposes, that, He's the Lord. He He, he can do that. Uh, more uh, more insight into their arrogance. Verse thirteen for for He saith, the Assyrians, their king, by the strength of my hand I have done it. So the Lord is now looking ahead to. Uh, uh, well, maybe maybe speak. Let me try that again. The Lord is giving us more insight into the hearts of the Assyrians and the king and their heart about um, what they have accomplished in their campaign to conquer up to this point, but I think also looking ahead prophetically to their heart about what will, will be in their heart after they've uh, overrun Judah, uh, after they've overrun Jerusalem. Uh, are they going to give the Lord credit for using them to conquer his people? Not to conquer, but to, to spank, to chasten uh, are they going to give God credit or are they just going to say, oh, we, we accomplish this in our own strength? We got there, Gary. Uh, and that's verse 13, for he saith by the strength of my hand... Uh, I have done it. They're, they'll not give any credit to the Lord uh, for using them. It'll just be our strength. We have done it. And by my wisdom, not with wisdom that God gave us, but from wisdom that we have, uh, we have conquered and, and we will conquer. Uh, we will overrun Jerusalem for I am prudent and I have removed the bounds of the people and have robbed their treasures, and I have put down the inhabitants like a valiant man. And verse 14, and my hand uh, hath uh, found as a nest the riches of the people, and as one gathereth eggs that are left, have I gathered all the earth, uh, and there was none that moved the wing or opened the mouth or, or peeped. Uh, It's me, 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 I, 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 and nowhere in there, Gary, is there a hint of recognition that God is the one that enabled them and used them to accomplish his purposes. It's just I, 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 my, 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 me, 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 Uh, pride, 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 Uh, and so the Lord will ultimately um, deal with, he'll judge the Assyrians um, as well. First, he will use them to judge his people, verse, six, verse 15. So, uh, let me try that again. Verse 15, shall the axe boast itself against him that heweth therewith? Uh, that's interesting. Let me read it again. Shall the axe, so picture an axe, boast itself against him that heweth therewith, or shall the saw magnify itself against him that shaketh or saweth? with it. Uh, What's the idea here? Uh, Could an ax pick itself up and cut down a tree? William? Could an ax just pick itself up and chop down a tree? Could a saw pick itself up and saw off a branch or saw a piece of lumber? Could it do that? I don't think so. And if it did, we'd probably be pretty afraid, right? If you saw that. No, Uh, no. It, it, what's the Lord saying here? It's Syria. The Assyrians see themselves kind of like uh, an axe that picked itself up and, and cut down a people or a saw that picked itself up and sawed down a people. It, it just doesn't make any sense. They don't understand that they're the axe and God is the one wielding the axe. They don't understand that they're the saw and God is the one doing the sawing. They, they don't, they're too prideful uh, to see that. By the way, I think it goes without saying that if we're not careful, we forget that we're the tool that God uses for his purposes, right? We're the axe, we're the saw, uh, whatever tool you want to put into that picture. Um, God desires to use us as we yield to him, uh, but he is the one doing uh, through us his tools, amen? These people didn't see that. They, they refused to see that. Uh, And if we're not careful, we forget that, or we even refuse to see that. God, I give myself to you. Uh, Gary, a a church could be pictured like a a toolbox, right? Uh, God's tools. But God is the one that's going to pick up the tool and use it to build and to accomplish his purposes. Lord, help me to be used of you as I yield uh, to you. Um, middle of verse fifteen, as the rod should shake itself against them that lift it up, or as the staff should uh, lift up itself as it, uh, as if it were no wood uh, we 'll go just slightly further here and we 'll stop therefore, uh, therefore, shall the Lord, the Lord of hosts, angels, or armies, a strong God, uh, send among his fat ones leanness uh, he, he will judge. Uh, Something that was fat being made lean or skinny, if you will, is a picture of judgment. Uh, And under his glory, he shall kindle a burning like the burning of a fire. Uh, And the light of Israel shall be a fire. And his holy one, capital H, capital O, uh, name or title for the Lord here, for a flame. Uh, And it shall burn and devour his thorns and his briars in one day. Uh, And he shall consume the glory of his forest and of his fruitful field, both soul and body. Uh, And they shall be as when a standard bearer fainteth, and the rest of the trees in his forest shall be few uh, that a child may write them or maybe draw them, a simple drawing that a child could do. There'll There'll be nothing left but a few of them. Uh, after this, and so this is God's warning that He'll judge. He will judge the Assyrians for their pride and for their failure to see that God is the one who is using them. Um, did the Lord do that? Did the Lord accomplish that? He, he did. You know, you, you know He did. If you want to just make a note, um, we see this in Second uh, Kings nineteen. 2 uh, Kings 19.35 parallel passage, um, and uh, that verse says, 19.35, "...came to pass that night the angel of the Lord went out and smote in the camp of the Assyrians uh, and hundred four score and 5,000, uh, and when they arose early in the morning, behold, they were all dead corpses." God said he would judge these who he has used or would use to judge, and he did, he did. Um, William, I'm glad this morning that we can trust God to be a God of his word. If he says he's going to do something, he always does it. And if he hasn't done it yet, he is still going to do it. Uh, Is the rapture going to happen? It is. Uh, Is the judgment seat of Christ going to happen? It is. Is the marriage supper of the lamb going to happen? It is. Uh, Is that coming with with his people at Armageddon going? Yes, it is. Uh, Is the millennial reign of Christ going to happen? Yes, it is. Uh, Is the great white throne judgment going to to happen where the lost are judged for their sin? Yes, it is. Lord, help us to get your words out to people who so desperately need to know you uh, and the truth uh, of your words. We're very thankful for you, brother. And your family, your wife, for doing just that uh, in the Philippines. Thank you so much. Because God keeps his word. He keeps his word. Let's pray. Father, thank you this morning. Thank you this morning, Lord, for this passage. Lord, you're revealed as a holy God, a God who has wrath at sin. You're revealed as a God who will chasten his people in love. uh, But uh, an uncomfortable correction nonetheless. Lord, you're you're a God who will deal with enemies, just exactly as you say. Lord, you're a God of your word; you keep your word. You're faithful to do so. Lord, thank you. Lord, thank you. I pray this morning, Lord, that if there's sin in our lives that you may be chastening us for, or that you may chasten us for um, soon, Lord. Give us hearts this morning, even now, to confess, to repent, to forsake that which offends you. Lord, for your honor and for your glory. Lord, I pray this morning that uh, that be a heart, that you search our hearts, that we uh, do business with you for your honor and for your glory. Lord, I love you this morning. Thank you so much for your words. Thank you for our church. Thank you for the Hardeckers. I pray that you'll use Brother Bill mightily in our 11 o'clock service. Uh, Lord, I pray be a help to us that we'll be built up and that you will be honored and glorified here this morning. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We pray all of this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for being here this morning.